living the word today. So, every time we open this book, it is a fresh opportunity for God to talk to us. Let's make sure, let's make very sure that we are listening to what he wants to say to us. Livingthewordtoday.com. Look, the message of the Bible does indeed prepare us for eternity, but it also prepares us for the day we are currently living. Welcome to Living the Word Today. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is not only to understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word. Because uh, when our children were small, we had, a, we had a whole selection of books. And I guess we're pack ratty enough that we haven't gotten rid of them over the years. And now when the grandchildren come, we just dig into the pile. And, you know, books like this, okay? They're kind of, kind of made out of cardboard, kind of on that sort of thing. And, and this one has a grand total of 30 pages in it. And uh, this one's called Praise Him, Praise Him. And it's just teaching children things that, uh, that we could praise Him for. It runs from everything to butterflies to church to tadpoles. Uh, and uh, they're all full of pictures like that, a picture book. You have any picture books around your house? It's been fun to kind of kind of relive some of those. And, and this one, I don't think we've shared this one with our grandchildren yet. We need to put it back on the playlist when they're over. But uh, when, when children are small, you need, you, need, you need things that have lots of pictures because reading comprehension that maybe they can't even read yet and then start to learn those easy words. But you know what? As, as beneficial as that is, this can't be where the development st stops, right? They have to learn to read books and, sadly to say, books without pictures in them, <laughs> okay, and move on. So when we come to chapter 10 here in Hebrews, it's the last little section of trying to move them from the picture book stage of their faith and make sure that they're into the mature stage of life. In fact, he says in 10.1, he says these words. Uh, let me get to the right spot. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image or pictures of the things can never with the, the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. The pictures are insufficient, but the pictures are designed to help us move toward maturity. Now you have been through a lot if you've been with us in this study as we've gone through uh, now finished nine chapters. But you remember the context of the book. These were Hebrew Christian believers, all right, Jewish believers. And uh, there, was, uh, there was lots of forces around them that was pushing them and tempting them to kind of de-identify with Christianity and sort of re-identify with their Hebrew roots. And this writer is encouraging them, don't, don't go back. Don't go back to the picture book stage. You, you go on to the real stage. Don't, so don't settle for the image, the picture, the symbol, but Christ is the real thing. And we've learned several things in, from chapter 7 through chapter 9, and we'll finish that into the first part of chapter 10. He, he's saying that Christ is better than, the, than, the, than the, uh, the, 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 the priesthood. He's better than the sanctuary, all the places that they worshipped. And now he's entered a section, we'll finish this today, God willing, the section about he's better than the sacrifices that were made. And the point is, these sacrifices were made and made again and again and again. As he says, we just read verse 1, they cannot make those perfect who approach. It doesn't finish the job. It doesn't really deal with sin. And that's why we need Christ. Christ has come and now we're complete in Him. But I want to look at this passage because some of this is going to sound familiar. 
he sort of kind of nuances this through. He kind of covers the same subjects over and over again. But I want us today just to kind of think what is in the background of this, this marvelous sacrifice of Jesus Christ to help us to help us understand who God is and more importantly to bring us into a relationship with him permanently. The point is there is somebody behind these things. There is a motivation behind these things. And that motivation is love. And today we want to talk about what love does. Because all the things you see in these verses that we're going to look at, all of them are driven, are motivated, are pushed on, are accelerated into our experience because God loves you. And if I can leave this with you, if I can just implant this into your heart this morning, you are loved. You are really loved by God himself and Jesus our Savior. And we're just going to see some things that happen here, but I want you, this is in the background, all right? Love does these things. Love accomplishes these things. Love pursued us in these things. And I love that song you just sang, No Matter What. He still loves us, no matter what. And some of us feel like we got a whole lot of matter what, right, in our lives. He loves us. Surely goodness and mercy will pursue us all the days of our lives. We have his involvement in our lives. And then the yet future, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's love that drives him. So let's look at some of these things and uh, just see if we can uh, assemble a little bit of a list here of uh, these, these aspects of love. And love is definitely seen in actions. It's seen in, our, in the actions of our Savior. It's seen in the actions when we love someone else. If someone just, you know this is true, right? If someone just says they love you and it's not followed up with actions, we know how, how empty that is and how shallow that is. Well, his love was followed up in actions, and let's jump into it. First of all, we're going to find out that love does what we cannot do. Love does what we cannot do. What we couldn't do was do anything to save ourselves, to remedy our problem of sin. Pick it up in verse 2. And remember, he's now contrasting the Old Testament picture, the Old Testament sacrificial system, with the New Testament reality that the covenant is now all completed in Christ. Verse 2, for then they would not have ceased to be offered. For the worshipers once purified would have no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. He's saying, that's what he said in verse 1, these are not complete, they're not perfect, they're not final. Because if they were final, the sacrifices would have stopped. But instead the sacrifices continue. And verse 4 is very important to them, and I'll just say something to us. It's not possible that the blood of all these bulls and goats, these continual offerings and sacrifices can take away sin because it's insufficient. But the love of God was pushing Jesus to do what only he could do. And he pushes further in this, and he says in verse 5, Therefore, when he came to the wor- into the world, he said... Now, in these, past, these next few verses, it's a quote from Psalm verse 40, 6 through 10, all right? And if you have a Bible, sometimes it'll put it in italics or put it in quotes so you know he's quoting the Old Testament. By the way, Romans and Hebrews kind of vie for first place of the number of Old Testament references that find their way into the text of the New Testament book. So here he's putting these words from the psalmist in the, in the mouth of Jesus, okay? When he came into the world, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. You just see how even this Old Testament prophetic uh, psalm is setting this up about Christ's coming. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. 
In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Doesn't that sound like that's just Jesus kind of all over it? <laughs> you know, uh, you didn't desire those sacrifices, but I've now come bodily and I've come to do this. I've come to do your will. He is here to do it. What, what, you remember now what the will of God entailed, right? First of all, he's God and he became man. I hate to spoil this for you, but that's a demotion as the way we would perceive of it. He did not cease to be God, but he also took on man. He humbled himself, it says. So there's some humility in this. There's some lessening in this as far as his, his position becoming one of us. And then he says, he says, Lord, I've just come to do your will. And his will demanded that there had to be a once-for-all sacrifice, and he was the only one who could do it. You're loved. You are really loved. Because that's what he did for you. That's what he did for you. Pick it up in verse 8. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings, and offerings for sin you did not desire or had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. So now don't take the Old Testament and say, well, let's just rip it out of the Bible. Okay, let's just get rid of it. Because that's not the case because he's using the Old Testament right here to teach us this covenantal truth about Christ. But what you have to understand is those are pictures. Those are the picture books. We've now moved on to a more mature thinking, a more complete understanding. Verse 9, then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. See, verses 8, 9, and 10 is the commentary on Psalm 40 that he just quoted to us, okay? Someone, some people have described that Hebrews is the best commentary, a divine commentary you have on the Old Testament because it puts it in perspective for us. He said, behold, I've come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. But that we, but, excuse me, by that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Note the last three words of verse 10, once for all. What motivated him, what moved him to do this once for all sacrifice? And, and in their context, all those sacrifices were pictures. They didn't succeed in the final victory over sin, but Jesus in his own body did it once for all, and he did it because he loves you. I hope you leave thinking today. I hope you love feeling today. I really hope you leave believing today that you're loved by God himself, loved by him. You know, that's one of the first things we teach our children. When we were on vacation, we had all of our family. We had 19 of us in this house we were staying in. And... Uh, we, had, we gathered around for a little time of worship, and I shared some things of the Word, and I had the older kids kind of act out a Bible story, and we sang a couple songs. and We sang a couple songs about Thanksgiving, and Gemma, who's the, our, our, our daughter's youngest daughter, just adopted back in September, and she'll be three in December, so she's still a little one. So we just finished singing, and she says something over there to her mom, and, uh, and I kind of looked, and Jessica says, she wants to sing the Jesus song. I said, you know, give me a little more. He said, Jesus loves me. Oh, got it. And we all just sang, Jesus loves me. That's where we begin. You know what? The great news is that's where we should stay. And that's where we should end. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible. Right here in the text, it tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. That's us. <laughs> he is strong. So we start with that. Don't leave that. Don't let that, don't that grow, 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 grow dim. And let me encourage you something to do something. I think this will work. If not, this is going to be a grand experiment. Next time you don't feel loved, sing. Next time you feel a little bit downtrodden and 
kind of burdened, don't know what to do, sing. But what do I sing? You have lots of songs to sing. Jesus Loves Me is a good place to start, frankly. But think about all the rich songs we know, or maybe you don't know about to sing, just get some music and put it on your device or turn the Christian radio on and sing, sing, because you are loved. You are really loved. They did a survey recently that from the time of recorded music started till today, you know, you know, when records first came out and all that sort of thing, and then all the technology develops, since recorded music started to be a thing, the number one subject of those songs, the number one subject is what? You want to guess? Oh, you got it right. Whoever said love. Now, usually it's love between humans, and we understand that, but it, it's, it's the driving force. And love makes people do amazing things. Sometimes we might say crazy things. And we might say, how crazy was it for God to die for us? You're loved. You're really loved. Look at verse 11. Not only does that, what love does, it, it shows us and does for us what we cannot do, but love does change us, not for time, but for eternity. Change us permanently. That's what it gets into here in verse 11. And I want you to look at this with me. If you have a Bible, please try to follow along with the text because this is very important. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. You think about from their Jewish heritage, that is a very devastating statement to make. Their priests, they did what God told them. They did it again and again and again and again. But it was not enough. It was only the picture to show us that we needed something more and we needed Jesus. And he loved us enough to do what he did for us. Look at verse 12. I love this contrast. Could never take away sins into verse 11. But this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. I shared this very early in the book of Hebrews, and I'll share it again because it's right here in front of us. Of all the furniture that was in the tabernacle and the temple that followed it, there were no chairs, there were no pews, there were no seats, there was no benches because the priest had to always be offering, always doing those things again and again and again. Why? Because the work was never done because people sinned and more sacrifices to follow and again and again and again. That's why he says in the end of 11, could not never take away sins. Notice this contrast. But this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, what did he do? He sat down. Where? At the right hand of God. Why? Because the work was finished. When the work is done, the priest has no more work to do. And he is seated at this place of majesty. From that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. That's a little quote from Psalm 110.11. And by the way, some of these quotes you've already heard in Hebrews because he's repeating some of them because he wants them to get the message. He wants to understand where they are. So it's sort of repetitious. And in verse 14, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now, the tenses of the, of the words in verse 14 are a little confusing if you're not careful. He perfected forever, unchanging, finished, complete, those who are, present tense, in a, in a process, being sanctified. And you have the two realities for us. From God's point of view, Jesus has done everything we need to do. We've, entered, we've transacted that with us because of our faith. We are secure in Him. We are safe forever. Our names are written in the book of life. Someday He promises to come back to take us with himself, to, to Himself, that where, he, where we are, we would be with Him. So that is complete. It is final. But then there is this practical part of we're still living here. 
He's wanting to change us and grow us and mold us and refine us and shape us so that how we're living in this world is more reflecting our destiny that we already have received in him. That's sanctification. It's a process. All those things are going on. But here's the good news. That work will continue. His work of redemption is already complete because it says here, by, his, by one offering he is perfected forever, those who are being sanctified. If I were to ask any of you just on the street somewhere, are you perfect? You'd all say no. If you asked me, I'd say, oh, no. Right? We're not perfect in a practical sense. But you know what? God loves you so much that in what is complete in Christ, it is complete perfection someday in our, in our experience. It's that way already declared, but in our experience someday. And if you ever have anybody that's kind of... You, you ever, I have a hard time. You all look, you, you look like the, the, the video we saw earlier, the people after they got to church. You all look like really good, you know. You know, just forget about all that stuff that went behind. But uh, is there somebody that irritates you in this world? Is there somebody just kind of, just like sandpaper rubbing on the nerves of your, of your soul just at times? You know what? If they're a believer in Christ, someday they're going to be perfect. If they're not a believer in Christ, may we pray for them and share with them so that someday they will be perfect and complete in Christ. This is not the end. This is not the point. This is not where we live. This is not where we dwell. This is not where we focus. This is not where we stay. This is not where we stew. This is not where we worry. It's out there in the future. What does love do? Love does this. It changes us and ultimately will change us permanently. Let me just give you this phrase. You know, sometimes we're so focused on what may be next you know, in the last few days, all this, this war in Israel, this horrible attack on this innocent civilians, and, and now the war machines are, 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 you know, on the verge of even more conflict. And I'm so glad we got together on Wednesday at our prayer gathering. And one of the things that we prayed about as a church, and if you've not been part of our prayer gathering on Wednesday, I invite you to come and be a part of that. But we, we prayed for Israel. We prayed for peace. We prayed for God to be work. We prayed for spiritual strength for us because I shared with the folks then, I said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against those forces of darkness. And Satan is the ultimate conspiracy behind it all. So we pray, and we, we're concerned about what's next, rightfully so. But we should not be so focused on what may be next, but we need to focus on what will be last. What will be last? What's the last status for you and I? How about you take a look at verse 14 of Hebrews 10, where it says, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are now currently being sanctified. Love does that for us. You are loved. You're really, really, really loved. And think about where that love not only has brought you. I want to encourage you, especially when things are, you know, scary and what's going to be next, where are we headed? Here's where you need to go. I told you to sing when you don't feel love. That's a good place to go. But I want you to reflect on this about where you're going to spend eternity and what God is going to do in and through and around us in that area. I love the song we sang a little bit ago, that, that, that hymn of heaven. Holy, holy is the Lord you know, resurrected with him. What a great song, a great way to express that. And then one last thing. Love does draw us to himself. And I love the intimacy. I love the reality of this, how he describes it. Verse 15, but the Holy Spirit also witnessed to us, for after he had said before, this 
is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. And that's a quote from Jeremiah 31. He's already quoted from Jeremiah 31 back in chapter 7. So he's kind of reviewing, he's kind of summarizing this. And by the way, if you look at verse 19, we're not going to look at verse 19 in, in teaching today, but look at verse 19, first word. Therefore, that's the pivot point of the book of Hebrews, and we're almost there. Pivot from all those things that we've studied about the Old Testament and Christ's fulfillment of them. And he's better than Melchizedek. He's better than the priesthood. He's better than angels. He's, we have a better sanctuary. We have a better sacrifice. We have a better all these things. Therefore, here's what we should do with that. So I'm very much looking forward to next week because I've been looking forward to getting to verse 19 of chapter 10. So we'll save that for next time. But he says, this covenant I'll make with them after those days, Jeremiah 31 says the Lord, I will, here it is, I will put my laws into their heart and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. And that last phrase is his summary argument to them. All these things being true, all these things being true, you don't need earthly offerings. You don't need animal offerings. You don't need the blood of animals. We have what we have in Jesus and it was done by love and it's going to draw us to himself. And look at this little phraseology he has here from, from uh, Jeremiah. I will put my laws into their hearts. I will put my laws into their hearts. And then he mentions their minds. And in their minds I will write them. Can we say it this way? The Holy Spirit who comes in and lives within us, and someday this will be complete in reality, what is already complete in God's determined judgment, is He's going to go in and He's going to recode us from the inside out. He's going to reprogram our thoughts, our hearts. Right now, we, we struggle with sometimes, you know, we want to be obedient, but we, we have pulls and pushes in the different directions. We want to be faithful, but sometimes we are inconsistent. We struggle with this, and we want to make progress. We want to be experiencing that sanctification that he mentions in verse 14. But you understand, here's what he says. Someday, the pushes and pulls are going to be gone. Our hearts are going to be completely reprogrammed. Our minds are going to be reprogrammed. And we're going to have that intimacy with himself. And he pulls us to himself. And by the way, even though we're a long way from where we will be, and thank God we're a long way from where we used to be, but he's in that process of still rewriting. That's why we spend time studying his word. That's why we spend time gathering on a Sunday morning like this to worship God. Why? Because he needs to do a little reprogramming. We need to have our minds reset. We need to be recalibrated to the things of the Lord. But I love this. There's sins and look at verse 17. See it in your text if you've got it in front of you. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, look, up, look off the one of the person next to you, okay? okay? They'll, they'll share their Bible with you. Where he says this. Look at verse 17. And he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds. Sins and lawless deeds. I'm not going to do by show of hands how many people fit in that category because every one of us should raise both hands when I would say that, right? That's us. But here's what God says. I will remember no more. You want to say amen? That'd be a good spot. Not, not just forgiven, not just restating, you know, resetting a relationship, not, not only just reprogramming us. God said, I'm just going to erase... How can God erase the memory banks of his mind? I mean, that seems so, so impossible, but it's in the text. Remember them no more. Remember them no more. What does love do? Well, love does this. It does what we cannot do. 
Christ's once-for-all sacrifice. And if you've never, ever trusted in him, that's where you need to start. And by the way, the fact that these sacrifices of the Old Testament were insufficient, that pretty much tells us, and that does tell us definitively, that everything else is insufficient to save us. It is Jesus, as I shared with you last week. It is Jesus, only Jesus. And if you need him or you need to understand what it means to become a follower of his through faith in Christ, we'd love to have that conversation with you. Or maybe you're right now, you, just, you know what you should do if you're just reluctant. For whatever reason, maybe this, this is the moment you say, I'm going to put all, let all that go and I'm just going to throw myself on the mercy and the, lo- and the love and the grace of Jesus Christ, that what he did was for me. If you need to take that step, I strongly encourage it. We'll help you all we can. For those of us who know him, what love does, what we cannot do, you're loved. You're really loved. Sing it out. Shout it out. Live it out. Love does change us personally. Don't focus on what may be next. Focus on what is the last. Sanctified, perfected in him. Love does draw us to himself. He's rewriting the code now, but ultimately that will be done. What do we do because we're loved, really loved? Well, we give attention to his word. We spend time worshiping. We do gather for prayer. We pray and we study on our own. We spend, we call it here, we call it about getting alone with God daily. Spend some time with him. And uh, those of you that are raising children, uh, you know, share that with your children. If you want to raise them the admonition of the Lord, share that truth, the truth you know with him, with them. And then express that in our daily lives. You are really loved. You are really loved. So what do we do? I'm going to give you three words. And the words are love, love, and love. We need to love God. We need to love each other. And we need to love everybody, even those people that may not be loving us back. If God so loved us, how should we respond? Lay us, you know, we can't erase the memory banks of our minds, but we can live as if we have. We can forgive and we can go on and we can choose to do the right thing, even though we may not exactly feel like it at times, but to love. And then understand that love always is something that does. It shows in actions. It's, it's informed by his word. It is impel, empowered by his, his, his will. And may we be people who love God, love each other, and love others. And I do recall that Jesus said this, even love our enemies. Talk about a high bar. Well, how does that happen? Well, it's part of that reprogramming. It's from the inside out. And may God help us to do that. Love does some amazing things. Let's love in return. Thank you for joining us for Living the Word today. We appreciate your sharing in this study of the scriptures. Also, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you will not miss a single episode. And thanks, too, for your prayers and for letting others know of this ministry as we seek to be living the Word today. We would love to have your feedback and to hear from you. And the best way to contact us is through our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.